This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. And here is the bill of fare for Restaurant Savage today, the 4th of September, in the year of our Lord, 2019, segment one, open with the monologue. San Francisco names the NRA a terrorist group while permitting Antifa to run freely, permitting bums to crap in the street, uh, illegal aliens to kill people with impunity, bums to shoot up drugs in the street. New York City, meanwhile, is running second, giving teachers a booklet called Dear White Teacher uh, under the most racist mayor imaginable. In segment two, we will talk about violence from leftists like Antifa. We'll talk about, well, we have so many things to talk about, but I want to begin with something that might entertain you and bring you to the moment that we are living in, the moments of madness that make it very hard to live. When you have totally insane people like the supervisors who run San Francisco, not taking care of the bums, not arresting bums who defecate in the street, not arresting illegal aliens who shoot people dead like Kate Stanley, but releasing them from prison. Instead, they spend taxpayer money to designate the NRA a domestic terrorist organization when, in fact, we need the FBI to go into San Francisco and take over the city. The U.S. Justice Department must take over the city, if not the whole state, and designate the Board of Supervisors a domestic terrorist organization. But that won't happen because the California calamity, unfortunately, has not yet hit bottom. We'll talk about that a little later on the program. Right now, I have a real treat for you which is, I compared schools in America from the year 1959 to the year 2009. I want you to listen carefully and tell me if you disagree with anything you're about to hear. Scenario one, Jack goes quail hunting before school and then pulls into the school parking lot with a shotgun in his truck's gun rack. 1959, vice principal comes over, looks at Jack's shotgun, goes to his car and gets his shotgun to show Jack. 2009. School goes into lockdown. FBI called. Jack called off to jail. Never sees his truck or gun again. Counselors called in for traumatized students and teachers. <laughs> Scenario two, high school 1959 versus uh, high school 2009. Johnny and Mark get into a fist fight after school. 1959, crowds gather. Mark wins. Johnny and Mark shake hands and end up buddies. 2009, police call and SWAT team arrives. They arrest both Johnny and Mark, and they are both charged with assault. Both expelled, even though Johnny started it. <laughs> Scenario three. Uh, Jeffrey will not sit still in class. He disrupts other students. 1959, Jeffrey sent to the principal's office and given a good paddling by the principal. He then returns to class, sits still, and does not disrupt class again. <laughs> 2009. 
Jeffrey is given huge doses of Ritalin. He becomes a zombie. He is then tested for ADD. The school gets extra money from the state because Jeffrey has a disability. Scenario four, Billy breaks a window in his neighbor's car and his dad gives him a whipping with his belt. 1959, Billy is more careful next time, grows up normal, goes to college and becomes a successful man. 2009, Billy's dad is arrested for child abuse. (laughs) Billy is removed to foster care and joins a gang. The state psychologist is told by Billy's sister that she remembers being abused herself and their dad goes to prison. Billy's mom has an affair with the psychologist. Uh, Scenario five, Mark gets a headache and takes some aspirin to school. In 1959, Mark shares his aspirin with the principal out on the smoking dock. In 2009, the police are called and Mark is expelled from school for drug violations. His car is then searched for drugs and weapons. Scenario 6. Pedro fails high school English. In 1959, Pedro goes to summer school, passes English, and goes to college. In 2009, Pedro's course is taken up by state. Newspaper articles appear nationally explaining that teaching English as a requirement for graduation is racist. The ACLU files class action lawsuit against the state school system and Pedro's English teacher. English is then banned from core curriculum. Pedro is given his diploma anyway, but ends up mowing lawns for a living because he cannot speak English. (laughs) Scenario 7. Johnny takes apart leftover firecrackers from the 4th of July, puts them in a model airplane paint bottle, and blows up a red ant bed. In 1959, ants die. In 2009, ATF, Homeland Security, and the FBI are all called. Johnny is charged with domestic terrorism. (laughs) The uh, FBI investigates his parents, and all siblings are removed from their home, and all computers are confiscated. Johnny's dad is placed on a terror watch list that is never allowed to lie again. (laughs) Scenario 8, comparing 59 to 2009 in a high school. Johnny falls while running during recess and scrapes his knee. He is found crying by his teacher, Mary. Mary hugs him to comfort him. 1959, in a short time, Johnny feels better and goes on playing. 2009, Mary, the teacher, is accused of being a sexual predator and loses her job. (laughs) She faces three years in state prison. Johnny undergoes five years of therapy. (laughs) Now you understand where I'm coming from, right? (laughs) I mean, my world was shaped then, not now, and I'm proud of it. Savage. San Francisco supervisors vote unanimously to designate NRA domestic terrorist organization. That fits right in, doesn't it, Jim? Like, there is your insanity right in front of your eyes. Uh, Let's see. Liberalism as a Mental Disorder by Michael Savage. Long out of date. First published in the year, I think, 2006. And what's happening is people are starting to just quote the title, 2005, And I want to read you something from the book. Here's the first line of Liberalism is a Mental Disorder, written by Michael Savage. The conservative movement is dead. I take no pleasure in making that observation. Let's face facts. Most of the red state politicians fail to comprehend that the American people are behind them and that the people want them to push through Congress a real conservative agenda. I wish that these empty suits and skirts would provide the leadership necessary to defend America from those who would do her harm instead of taking the side of the enemy. Can you think of one speech wherein the Republican leadership has expressed a desire to protect our borders, our language, or our culture? Without these three fundamental pillars of society, no nation can survive, except for a few minor utterances about cultural issues with little or no follow-up. There has been scant support for these conservative principles or values. On my radio show over the last decade, 
People have repeatedly called expressing their fears that our national sovereignty is diminishing and that this country will be sold out to an international new world order. They fear that American citizens will no longer have the protections of our U.S. Constitution, that it will be replaced by a constitution forged by the United Nations. No longer will we have the Bill of Rights to protect us. It will be a new watered-down bill of wrongs from the new ruling bureaucrats. The concern that American law will be subjected to international law is not an empty fear. And then I give cases in point. Well, I don't know what to say to you other than the world has gone crazier than it's ever been in my entire lifetime. And the head of the snake is the ACLU. As I have long said and called for, and we do have a president who should be doing these things, but they put him on the defensive with the witch uh, hunt for so many years. Uh, the fact of the matter is the ACLU is the head of the snake. They are a domestic terrorist organization. They have repeatedly attacked family values, churches, synagogues, the Bill of Rights, the Ten Commandments. And I will say this. The decade we have lived through is a graveyard for politicians whose thinking was molded by the myth of the 60s. Did you hear? The majority of the American people want a right-wing leader who will lead America out of this left-wing agitation. Hear me. I am telling you right now, the dark clouds of retribution are looming on the horizon. My prediction is not as ludicrous as you may think. Let's not forget that's ultimately how Adolf Hitler managed to grab control of Germany and impose Nazism. He was elected to counter the growing influence and violence of Germany's communists, and that should be a warning to us. Americans are generally a tolerant people, but even American-style tolerance has its limits. If the callers to my nationally syndicated radio show, The Savage Nation, are any indication, millions of Americans have been stretched to the breaking point by the anti-democratic, self-serving behavior of left-wing leaders and their communist, socialist-leaning front groups. Liberals like to portray their desire for continuous social revolution dressed as a noble enterprise. Wearing this clothing does not diminish the evil and danger unleashed by 40 years of trolling down the blind alleys of progressive politics. And the people are starting to see the lie. The sheeple will not walk around forever with zippers on their mouths while the left systematically dismantles our great nation and everything that gave rise to this shining enterprise of freedom. This is Michael Savage. I shall return. Savage. Look, I got to level with you. The world is going to change. This fact can be seen on any headline and how markets are already reacting to these changes. And when the world changes, it only takes one major disaster to remind us of how fragile life is. Look at the hurricanes. When emergencies strike, are you prepared for days without electricity and stores being closed for weeks? Do I have your attention now? If not, today is the day to act because we're in national preparedness month. Please make a plan. I have by building an emergency food storage supply, and so should you. You see, I prepare with my Patriot Supply. They are the industry leaders for preparedness. They sell the emergency food, gear, and water filtration products that you will need at some point. Act today and save $100 on a full-week emergency food when you go to my special website, preparewithsavage.com, preparewithsavage.com. 
preparewithsavage.com. These four-week food kits last up to 25 years in proper storage. They include breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. You get free shipping discreetly to your door. No one knows what's in it. Please don't ignore all the warning signs. Do I have to say hurricane to you? Prepare for what's coming and save $100. Go to preparewithsavage.com today. Maybe I have your attention now. Preparewithsavage.com. You will thank me. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. How can you romanticize a city that's become the asshole of the world? How can you continue to romanticize a city that's run by mentally ill people, people who in any rational city would be in a mental hospital? The Board of Supervisors has nothing to say about the release of an illegal alien who was found with a smoking gun who shot a young white woman to death in front of her father, and they said basically nothing about it. Instead, they take on the NRA, which has, by the way, no bearing what they do. They can call anyone they want a domestic terrorist organization. We all know it's a cover-up for the fact that they are the domestic terrorists. But, by the way, so here is one of the supervisors. I don't know what she's on. Her name is Catherine Stefani. She had nothing to say about the murder of, uh, let us say, uh, Kath Steinle by the illegal alien. She had nothing to say about bums defecating and urinating in the streets. Nothing to say about hypodermic needles being found all over the city. Instead, this fool has the following to say about the National Rifle Association. The NRA exists to spread disinformation and knowingly puts weapons in the hands of those who would harm and terrorize us. The NRA uh, has it coming to them, and I will do everything that I possibly can to call them out on what they are, which is a domestic terrorist organization. I mean, people are dying every day in this country. A hundred people lose their lives to gun violence prevention, and doing nothing is not an option, and that's what the NRA continues to do. What are you going to do about global warming, Catherine? What are you going to do, yell at the wind, burn a church down because Christians worship God who's done nothing about global warming? All right, here we go. What do you out there in this Savage Radio audience feel is the most important story out there that I have not talked about or that no one is talking about? Or to put it another way, what is the number one thing bothering you about America today? And the important thing is, is that if you're listening to this show on the stream, not on a radio station, because many do, you can also call into the show at 855 400 Seven two eight two eight five five four hundred savage Here are some of the other stories that made it to my attention. New hate crimes chief breaks with de Blasio on anti-Semitism. So he hires a woman from the uh, Anti-Defamation League to run his, I don't know, hate crimes unit. Her name is Deborah Lauter. And he says that the hatred against Jews in New York is coming from the, from the right wing. This woman who worked at the ADL for 18 years, said she was not aware of a right-wing threat of anti-Semitism in New York. 
In fact, she said it's coming from the left wing, not from the right wing. de Blasio has been silent. Representative mentally ill Omar's husband wants a divorce after an affair bombshell. Okay, I could care less about that hater. Eventually, she will undo herself. Most accurate 2016 poll, the poll that most closely predicted the outcome of the 016 presidential election, now shows Joe Biden and several other deems beating President T in a 2020 general election matchup. I'll tell you why the poll has no meaning. It's because, A, it's too far out, and B, conservatives never answer polls. So I don't believe it means anything. Meanwhile, in Stockton, a California city, they're testing a universal basic income campaign uh, on people. And they're going to give people $1,000 in cash. Oh, no, $500 a month, I guess. Oh, no, Kamala Harris wants to give 500 bucks. Uh, Yang wants to give 1000 in cash to people. So the city of Stockton chose 125 people who live in census tracts at or below the city's median household income of $46,000. And they get free money on a debit card on the 15th of each month. I guess they can go buy drugs with the money, alcohol, cigarettes, but not shoes for their children. Next uh, item here, modern patients' thresholds lower than ever before, technology to blame. We, We covered this yesterday, and they said it takes like 16 seconds for people to lose their patience or something like that. And uh, they're blaming it on uh, smartphones, on-demand TVs. And it says reporters are saying that people become frustrated after just 16 seconds of waiting for a web page to load and after 25 seconds of waiting for a traffic light to change. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) and it says oftentimes all it takes is a mere a few seconds of waiting for people to lose their cool. For example, it took just 22 seconds for people to start cursing their computers or TVs if a show or a movie doesn't immediately start streaming correctly. Isn't it something? How could we ever win another war? How could Eddie ever go off to war again? There is no Eddie anymore. Write that one down. There is no Eddie anymore. Next one is, forget weed, Colorado's hottest trend is forest bathing, whatever that means. So they're not just smoking dope, but what they're doing is running naked in the woods. It's taken from the Japanese practice of Shinrin-yoku, which translates to forest bathing or taking in the forest atmosphere. In other words, they're walking in the woods and calling it a trend now. You hear that? It turned it into a thing. And your parents, they took a walk in the woods holding hands. And they listened to the nature, the bird, the breeze. Now they hear a moron going by on, a, on a, an SUV or an idiot, a ski-doo in the winter. Where would you go forest walking in America and find peace and quiet? Tell me. Don't call me. I'll be back. Savage. Well, September is National Life Insurance Awareness Month. Most people aren't aware of that. In fact, most people aren't aware they need life insurance at all, and that's why 40% of Americans don't have any. But getting life insurance doesn't need to be difficult or expensive. You see, right now, prices are the lowest they've been in 20 years, and Policy Genius has made it easier than ever to get covered. Policy Genius is the easy way to shop for life insurance online. In just minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. 
And policy genius and policy genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you find the right home insurance, auto insurance, and disability insurance. You heard me? If you need life insurance, but you just haven't gotten around to it, National Life Insurance Awareness Month is as good a time as any for you to get started. Please go to policygenius.com. Get quotes, apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing on your phone right now. Go to policygenius.com. Policygenius.com. The easy way to compare and buy your life insurance. Policygenius.com. The world is upside down. The world is so screwed up. When you look at the psychopaths in San Francisco, which is ground zero for insanity, they have nothing better to do than to declare the NRA a domestic terrorist organization. When they have Antifa hiding here, you have cartel members running freely in a sanctuary city. You have people killing people and getting away with murder. You have bums defecating in the street. And these morons take the time to do a thing like that. That's what I say. It's crazy. We're living in crazy times, and it's wearing on people. I know it's wearing on me. Here it is. The summer is lo- lo- It's over. It's over. It's just, I don't know. I think America died. I know it's very depressing to hear it. You want to hear, like, Mr. Happiness here, and you want me to give you the booster job, how to win friends and influence people by being Mr. Optimist. I think optimism is dead in America. Why would you be optimistic in this country today over what? What would you be optimistic about? The rising tide of insanity, the rising tide of communism, the rising tide of class warfare, the rising tide of hatred on the left? Tell me what you'd be happy about. What are you looking forward to? I don't know. Well, I do know. I mean, I know the solution. Unfortunately, it's a radio program. I'm not a revolutionary running a revolution. You know, in another time, I'd be a revolutionary on the front lines running a revolution. I probably would have been jailed two or three times by now. But I'm not given to that. I could have run a revolution in this country. You're telling me with my charisma, my brain, my ability to move crowds, I couldn't have run a revolution? I could have. But I made rational decisions along the way not to do so. And I will tell you that I was 100% right. Now, have I helped the country at all? Yes, I helped elect Donald Trump. That's helped right a ship that was sinking uh, by moving so far to the left there was no balance anymore. And I'm very proud of that. But what have we gotten from the Republican Party? What have we gotten from Congress? What have we really gotten from the Supreme Court appointments? Think about that. We keep hearing about the Supreme Court appointments. And yet look at the stooges that were put on the Supreme Court. They're all crypto liberals. What, are you kidding me? You're telling me that this guy Roberts is a a conservative? So, you know, it's a very rough time to think about where this country is going. You take a look at how crazy everything is. Even the the hurricane, they had a name it Hurricane Dorian. How did they come up with Dorian? The only reference to Dorian that I ever remember is the portrait of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Okay, so, but why would you name a storm Dorian? I look it up. It says Dorian is a gender fluid given name of Greek origin. That already crept in now to the dictionary, gender fluid. Into What do you mean gender fluid? Why don't you say what you mean? What do you mean gender fluid? What does that mean? Gender fluid, what is that, a kind of drink? That would be a good drink for you to take, gender fluid. It turns you into a a nothing. You have no identity. Here, drink some gender fluid, you schmuck. In Greek, the meaning of the name Dorian is of Doris, a district of Greece. 
or of Doros, a legendary Greek hero. Doros was the son of Helen of Sparta, who was the daughter of Zeus and Le Do you really care about Greek mythology? I don't. I never did. I never even understood it. Who has time to think about Greek mythology when I'm living in a time of mythology where everything is upside down? Let's take a caller so I don't have to even think anymore. Let's go to Brooklyn, New York. Molly, thank you for calling the Savage Nation. What's on your mind? It's an honor for me to speak to you. That's, <laughs> see, at least there's one person out there who knows how important I really am. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. And you're so right speaking about referring to the word soul, because I think this is what's missing so much in America. We need God. We need his laws. We need the soul of America back. And liberals are stealing it right. day by day. Don't you, don't you call the soul Nishima? I didn't hear you. How do you refer to soul in your language? Isn't it Nishima? That's right. And that's our breath. That's what you want to bring out, right? Yep. So you, you, are a one, you are a wonderful religious Jewish lady listening to me online in Brooklyn, New York. And you're calling about why Jews don't report uh, crimes against them in Brooklyn right now. Why is that? There is nobody to speak to, seriously. I think there is a silent order from de Blasio to stand down for crimes, blacks against white, or more specifically, blacks against... I want to be very specific here. Is there not a crime wave against Orthodox Jews going on in Brooklyn right now, yes or no? Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. And, and who is conducting the beatings, the bricks in the head, and things? Who is doing it? I hate to say it, black people. Why do you hate to say it? Because, you know what I mean? It's not popular, but this is the fact. There is an epidemic of violence by black males against Orthodox Jews in New York, and the FBI needs to take over that city. That's right. Someone in, in my community here in Williamsburg just had a break in the middle of the night, and the guy used sleeping spray, so everyone is fast asleep. He wakes up in the morning, the whole house is upside down, he calls the police, and they tell him, oh, no, you didn't have a break-in. They can't, there's no such a thing as sleeping spray. Probably your son is on drugs, and he turned over the Oh, house. come on, the police didn't I say a that. Police to report. The police said that to him? The police said it. They must have some order from the Blasio. I want to ask you something. The not there was it. a time in Brooklyn when the religious Jewish people had self-defense groups, wasn't there? What happened to them? They, they are also afraid already. Yesterday we had a bike stall here across from my house. Wait, wait, no, let's go back. We call, there we was a time not too many years ago in New York when the Jewish people created self-defense leagues to protect themselves from the thugs who are now running wild under de Blasio. Do those self-defense leagues still exist? Yes, they do. It's called the Shomrim, but they also got already strict orders from the police. I'm telling you, we called the Shomrim yesterday because there was a bike stolen here across the street, also by a little black teenager. They came, they spoke to the teenager, and all the everyone was standing around screaming, he stole the bike. There was a kid there that he stole it from, a 24-inch bike, and he got his bike back. Shomrim gave it back to him. Shomrim is afraid of the police. Are you saying to me that the, the Self-Defense League in New York is now afraid because de Blasio has targeted them? Right. And what does he call them, a domestic terrorist group, those who would defend innocent religious Jewish people? I do not know if he called them anything, but I see that. So what, what are the Jewish people going to do? You're living through a new pogrom in New York under a man who poses as a good man, a liberal man, when in fact he is like the Nazis of Europe in World War II. Right. 
What de Blasio <laughs> fundamentally by giving free reign to these thugs is the equivalent of the brown shirts in Germany who are beating Jews up in, in Germany. And it's going on right in our time and no one's saying anything. No. no. Jewish men are being beat up by, by black men here. Why do you think these, these black teens are targeting Orthodox Jews? What's provoking this? First of all, I think they're empty. They have no God. They have no rules. They only know that murder is fine and... You know, all the dirty kinds of living is also fine and kosher, and the only problem is climate change and probably... But why are they picking on Orthodox Jews is because they're basically defenseless old men? Uh, it's not even old men, it's young men being targeted also. But why? Why, why Jews? Why have, may black, be, may be. why have black thugs targeted Jews? This is a very tough topic, but I want the answer from an Orthodox religious Jew because no one's talking about it. Why have they been targeted in your mind? I think that they may be jealous. We have values. We have family. We have a fulfilling life. Thank God. And they but who is motivating them to go after Jews? Who is motivating them to go after Jewish people. Who is telling them to do this? I believe it's de Blasio, the crazy. Well, de Blasio is not saying go out and beat up a Jew. What is he doing that's but he's kind saying, of... You know, the white what's he doing to the, enable them to go and do this? What is he doing or not doing? And the white men with the real estate. And who does he mean by that? And the white men and the white men until the black men go crazy from hearing this. Okay, so the anti-white rhetoric is falling down upon the religious Jew. Right. Because Why? Is it because they walk in the streets more regularly than non-religious people on the way to and from synagogue that they're easily targeted? No, I think that the Blasio's rhetoric is primarily really directed at at the Jewish people here. And uh, these black people are... You know, are I, I go on Twitter and people say, I don't care what happens to them because Jews vote Democrat. I said to them, liberal Jews vote Democrat. But religious Jews are generally conservative. Is that correct? Well, um, only in, in, in principle. But I tell you, in our community, they convince us that we should vote Democrat. But Why? Because of the social benefits, the social welfare, all the money flowing into the communities? Is that it? Because? Because of the money that flows down from... from I'm afraid so. Well, you see, I know I get an honest answer from you because you, you, you are a Bible fearing woman who would never fudge a statement so you gave us gave it like it is so the social welfare state has now polluted even the orthodox jewish uh people who are now voting democrat simply for the money unfortunately but we have nothing from it community members and taxpayers have zero from it it's just you know a few people getting enriched wow it's a terrible situation and I don't know the solution other than self-defense leagues where you have to take the young men in your community. They have to be trained by the Israelis who know Kav Magra. They need to be taught how to fight. And they need to walk in the streets together. And they need to accompany the old people to and from synagogue and to and from shopping and protect them from these thugs in the streets of New York because the police are not doing their job. And the police are not doing their job because the mayor has told them to basically look the other way when they see a crime being committed by a certain demographic group. There is no, not one word that I just said now that is false, is there? Correct, all the way. Okay, God bless you. I wish I could do something I can't other than expose the naked truth about the evils of liberalism in the United States of America today. Savage.
Do you really have time to go to the post office? I don't. Look, we're all busy. Do you have time for traffic, parking, lugging all your mail and packages? No. No, you don't. That's why you need Stamps.com, one of the most popular time-saving tools for small businesses. You see, Stamps.com eliminates trips to the post office and saves you money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. Can you believe this? Well, you ought to, because Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. post office right to your computer. Now, whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, that's right, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. No trip to the post office. With Stamps.com, you get $0.05 cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Now listen, right now my listeners get a special offer, which includes a four-week trial plus free postage and, listen to this, a digital scale without any long-term commitment. You heard me right. All you got to do is go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Savage Nation. Stamps.com, click on the mic at the top, type in Savage Nation. That's Stamps.com, enter Savage Nation. We are talking about a world upside down. We're talking about the city of San Francisco being ground zero for insanity. We are talking about a violence epidemic against Orthodox religious Jewish people, uh, primarily in New York, where unfortunately, it has to be said, so-called teens are beating them up. And I mean not pushing them, hitting them with bricks, breaking their teeth in, robbing them. It's an epidemic of violence by black kids or black men against Jews in Brooklyn. No one seems to be willing to even talk about it, even in New York. You don't read about it in the New York Post, certainly not the New York Times. People will not talk about the new pogrom. Instead, we'll hear about the Nazis in Germany or in Poland in the 1930s. Tell me the difference between the pogroms against Jews that occurred in the 1930s and the pogroms against Jews that are occurring right now in our time in Brooklyn, New York. Tell me the difference. New Jersey. Charles, welcome to the Savage Nation. Hi, Dr. Savage. How are you? What's up? I, uh, well, I, I think, I'm, well, my position, I'm, I'm both black and Jewish. So maybe from my standpoint, maybe it would take someone such as myself to make peace between the two sides. Why are, the, why are, the, why are black males targeting Orthodox religious Jews? Well, to give you the short answer, remember when uh, Clinton was asked why did he sneak off with, my, or why did he do what he did with Monica Lewinsky, and the answer he gave is because he could. I okay, but what are you saying? Because they're they're vulnerable and they don't they're pacifists basically. They don't fight back. They're viewed that way. Yes, yes. I mean, so they're easy targets, and these teens are cowards in plain English. What's that again? The teens are ta- are, are cowards, right? 
They're like a pack of animals attacking an innocent person. That's exactly what they are. They're like wolves attacking a sheep or what they perceive. So how would you talk to wolves being a black Jewish person? How would you talk to wolves? Well, first of all, I can speak their language. I think they'd be comfortable with me. And I understand where they're coming from because there are a lot of them in, in most cases, let's face it, they're being misled by people such as uh, Louis Farrakhan. You know, and okay, people. okay, you're touching a raw nerve right there. Now, yeah, when you uh, say you're black and Jewish, you mean you are ethnically, you are ethnically a an African American who converted to Judaism, or the other way around? Well, I, I was born Jewish. No, but you're, but you're, but if someone saw you, you would be seen as a black male. Yes, yes, that's the. Thing. That would be. No, I'm just trying to understand this. So you were born Jewish because your your mother and father raised you that way. My mother's Jewish. She raised us Jew, uh, to be uh, Jewish. And uh, well, you're you're in a very tough situation. You're probably looked upon in a leering manner by both sides. Well, you're welcome to the Savage Nation, where everyone fits. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation. Home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Liberalism is a Mental Disorder, published in 2005, will probably live along the lines of Brave New World in some ways, or other great uh, books like 1984. When you think about it, you wake up and you see a city in such decline as San Francisco, and the fools who run it do not address the issues that have made the city almost unlivable. Instead, they take on an organization over which they have no power and designate the NRA a terrorist organization. Or you look to New York where a stark liberal is running the city, if you want to call him that. I think he's insane. And a demagogue, that would be de Blasio, uh, a, a real demagogue, a real bad one, where there is a pogrom going on against religious Jewish people who are being targeted in their communities, and there's not one word coming from the mayor saying this is wrong, addressing the city, getting up there and saying to these teens who are beating up old Jewish men, uh, say to them, this is wrong and it will not be tolerated, and if you're caught, you'll be tried as an adult. That would put a stop to it. Instead, they look the other way. These are very trying times, and it's an, an example of what happens when a movement that may have had good intentions, in some regard, maybe had good intentions, has now turned into a cancer upon society. Liberalism is a mental disorder. And so what are we going to do about it? We're going to sit here and suffer in silence? What do you think, at hour number two, I have a couple of questions that I want to ask. What do you think will be the fourth Sumter in America that will trigger a civil war, if any? Now, don't, don't assume I'm calling for this, but it will happen. I've watched this left wing in this country become more and more violent, more and more arrogant, more and more sure that nothing will ever touch them, and committing acts and encouraging acts of violence, and silently the people sit and take it. 
what do you think will be the trigger that could trigger a reaction, if any, if any? And I'm not so sure anything will ever trigger Eddie to rise up and take this country back from the left-wing violence that is sweeping the nation. If you get to chime in on that or any other topic that I have missed, the phone number is 855-400-7282, 855-400-SAVAGE. UK sees rise in suicides. Men remain most at risk. There's a reason for that. It's because the white males who built England have been turned into the enemy by the feminists and the Muslims. Any other questions? I have the answers. Shall I repeat that for those of you who are just shocked by reality? California court sides with professor who claims he was fired conservative for conservative views. Well, that's a small victory. Here's another one for those of you who want to understand what's going on in America. Teen exiting New York City subway station, raped by bum after brushing him off. Now, let me focus on that story for a minute. For years, I've been warning you that many of the homeless people in the streets are violent. They're not victims. And you said, oh, no, come on. They're the most vulnerable members of society. Let's throw billions of dollars more at them. Well, amongst the homeless, there are very good people who are down on their luck. But unfortunately, there's a large number of them who belong in jail or in mental hospitals. And that number is increasing. So here is the story. There's a panhandler, not a panhandler, but a, a guy who makes believe, you know, he's down on his luck. He needs to collect money. So a woman, a teen, is leaving a New York City subway station. And... Um, She's 19 years old. She's walking out of the East 96th Street stop on the Upper uh, East Side at 7.30 on Sunday. That's a reasonable time. The bum says, I'm homeless. Can I have some money? He begged her, I'm homeless. Can I have some money? Girl says no. So the bum follows her, drags her into a secluded area near East 95th Street and 3rd Avenue, and rapes her. Cops released surveillance video Thursday of the sicko jumping a turnstile after the attack. He is not a religious Jew wearing religious garb. Let's put it to you that way. Do you think that the homeless bum will be found? Yes, he will be. Will he be arrested? Yes, he will be. He will be released on the streets on his own cognizance within hours because of the insane people like de Blasio who are in league with the insane people who are running San Francisco and every other liberal crap hole in the United States of America. So what will trigger, what will be the fourth sumpter in the United States of America? Tell me. What is, gonna, what is it going to take? Here's a girl raped by a bum. Here we had Kate Steinle shot and killed by an illegal alien, smoking gun found in his hand. And a known left-wing agitator lawyer, Tony Sarah, gets her off with a crazy judge. No one says anything. Said the men sit around in their cafes drinking their espresso like they were wise guys, Goomba. They're sitting around North Beach with their fingers up in the air. No one says a word. There's not a word said in the city. Is there still a spine left in America? Or are all the men with spines in Afghanistan, where are they? Where are they? I want to know. Well, many of them are in blue. They have the guns and the clubs, which they cannot use because of the psychopaths who uh, control them. Now, you could unleash the men with the guns in the clubs and give them liberty to arrest the rapists, the drug dealers, the crappers, and such. I don't see that happening. I uh, Someone wrote me and said, this is going to get worse and worse. I said, yes, it will get worse until it gets better. I said, however, 
there are cycles to everything, and I've seen this before. And usually the pendulum swings the other way at a certain point. I believe right now the pendulum has swung socially so far to the left that it will start moving to the right very shortly. When, I don't know, but I know it's coming. There is no question the nation, especially in liberal cities, is screaming for law and order. They're dying for vengeance. They're screaming for control. Unfortunately, there are no politicians out there willing to take the mantle, except on a federal level in the form of Donald Trump, which is why he is hated. Because the vermin on the left have been so used to getting away with their disgusting behavior and their violence-inducing speech for so long, both domestically and internationally, that finally a man comes along who stands up to them. He becomes their enemy. They blame him for everything, including hurricanes. That is how crazy liberalism has become. In fact, we have for you a soundbite that Robert and Jim put together for you where the media and Dems push a climate agenda that Trump caused the hurricane. Listen to clip three. Get the no, no. climate denier whiner out of the White House. The truth is that these storms that are hitting the Caribbean with this intense magnitude are historic, unprecedented, and these storms are man-made storms. There were floods and fires and storms before, but the severity and the frequency of these weather events is unquestionably accelerating. And it is simply unacceptable that we're having a debate over whether to deal with climate change. There is indisputable fact and science that tells us that the crisis is exacerbating natural disasters. Hurricane Dorian is the strongest storm on the planet this year. Here are the facts. We know that the climate crisis is making hurricanes more dangerous. The Virgin Islands was hit by two Category 5 storms only two years ago, um, while President Trump indeed was our president. The sea level rise is making storm surge more dangerous and making storms wetter, increasing the rainfall rate, as well as the amount of precipitation a storm can produce. Strong storms are getting even stronger because of warmer oceans, and storms are rapidly intensifying more frequently. When you have warmer oceans... It causes warmer storms. I mean, that's from, you know, fourth grade science. And well, that's this how far is the type of thing where we're going to see more intense, more frequent storms. And we need our leaders immediately to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, to stem oh, the, God, the flow of climate change. Now we have to remove the climate denier from the White House. All right. So there it is. These are the hysterics who are telling us that the hurricane was caused by Donald Trump and global warming. When, in fact, yesterday I spent a little time trying to educate America, and I did the best I could, on the history of hurricanes and storms. And it shows that they, uh, we know that before 1600, uh, in pre-Columbian times, before 1492, as a matter of fact, there are sediment records, etc., things that we call uh, paleo-tempestological research, which show prehistoric hurricane activity going back way before even written recorded history. Apparently, these dunces who are in the warmest uh, trade do not know nothing about history and less about science. And this is, again, why we are in danger today. They don't know who Moses is. They don't know who Abraham is. They don't know who Jesus is, and if they do, they curse him. They do not know what a Bible is, and they know that anyone who reads a Bible is an evil person. We have a totally brainwashed, dangerous generation of violent fools who are in the media by the way.
California, David, line one. You're up on the Savage Nation. What's your topic? Uh, my problem is this. Thanks for taking my call, Dr. Savage. The you thing win. is, for me, I don't know about the ethnic background of the blacks or the Jews, but see, there's no law and order. This guy, Bill Barr, who's the new attorney general, is sitting on his hands. When people watch TV and they, this guy call me for whatever he is and all that gang that's supposed to have been exposed on the Wallbanger show, when they go free, totally free, and he sits on his hands, people with not high grades of intelligence look and say, hey, man, we can go to the street, break a brick over a Jewish guy's head, rob a jewelry store, steal a car. There's no consequence. Well, I agree with you about Barr, but I'm not shocked by it. I'm shocked that Trump picked him when, in fact, Barr was the one who gave a pass to the uh, agent in the ATF who shot and killed Randy Weaver's wife and son. Horiuchi executed her at long distance with a targeted uh, uh, a scope rifle and got away with murder. And it was Barr who helped that happen. Did you know that? No, I didn't until now. Yeah, now that you reminded me, I do. Unfortunately, I do remember that. Yeah. So why did Trump pick a man like that to run the DOJ? I have no idea. All of his picks, as much as I like Trump and voted for him, mainly because there was no choice. I mean, it wasn't. It was either her or him. I'm disappointed in a lot of things he's done. Let me tell you what's happening with Donald Trump's administration over the last six to nine months. It looks increasingly to me as if the Bush family has taken control of the Trump administration because it's almost impossible to separate any of Donald Trump's positions in action, never mind in words or in tweets, in actions from that of what Jeb Bush would be doing. And that's what I think is going on. It seems that the Bush family has reestablished their control over the nation. I thank you for the call. Uh, again, I'm not trying to outdo anybody, but that's exactly what I think hap has happened. Biblical bombshell. As archaeologists discover origins of David and Goliath battle. I'm supposed to believe this? Archaeologists excavating Goliath's hometown, Gath have unearthed a new layer of ruins dating back to the time of the biblical battle, and they're unusually large. Bar-Ilan University, now we know the size and nature of the early Iron Age city, blah, 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 blah. So what is it proving to us? It says, perhaps the legends of giants among the Philistines, and in particular from Gath, Goliath and others, might have arisen, among other reasons, from seeing the impressive monumental remains of the city in the centuries after its destruction. I don't know what that means. What does it mean? The, the, the Goliath was tall? Does that mean he was a giant? Maybe the uh, Jews were short, and this guy was five foot nine. Now, what do you mean by giant? Uh, he, he could have been six foot five, a you know, giant. He could have looked like Comey. Maybe Comey had a relative there in, 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 in Gath. Maybe Comey comes from Gath. Comey of Gath, step forward, please. Please bring Comey of Gath forward. I don't know. Comey was there six foot six. They called him a giant. A lot of it is just hype, even in the sciences today. In order to get attention, you have to be a, a hype, a hype, hype artist. I'll be right back. Savage. Hey, here's a question. How did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning, worrying? Now, look, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds, wheelchairs. Well, in 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. Now, what does that mean? How is Purple different from other mattresses? Listen, the Purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced. Why? Because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. 
It was not like the memory foam that I'm used to or you're, you're used to. No, no. The purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the very same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable. Unlike foams, it's breathable so it sleeps cool. It ends up giving you the zero-gravity-like feel so it works for any sleeping position. Okay, 100-night risk-free trial. You're not satisfied? You can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free in-home setup, old mattress removal. You ready? You're going to love purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text SAVAGE to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to do this. You ready? Text SAVAGE to 84-888. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Text S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Message and data rates may apply. It is the Savage Nation. We're talking about so many different things, not really about the storm. I mean, if you live on a spit of coral atoll that rose up from the sea during the last age when the uh, seas fell a little bit and a little spit of land appeared, now you build a house on that and you think that that is safe? Never heard of high ground, have you? Uh, Hurricanes have existed from the beginning and even before of recorded history. Chicago, Travis, welcome to the Savage Nation. What's on your mind today? Hey, Dr. Savage, thanks for taking my call. Uh, not only is there evidence, you know, in the sediment layers of hurricanes, but the very word hurricane itself is based on a Mesoamerican word, Urucan, uh, you know, which to describe the storm that is, you know, prevalent in that area of the world. So, Well, you see that? So apparently you know something that the geniuses in the media and in politics don't know. You must be a linguistics professor. Uh, no, no, but I do have a bachelor's in you know, Spanish, Latin American linguistics. So. so in other words, in Mesoamerica, there were uh, references to storms in, in, in the language of the time, correct? Yes. And what language would that be? What would it be, a, a form of Mayan? No, although the Mayan did have a word for it that was very similar, you know, phonetically, but they believe that the word originated from pre-Columbian Mesoamericans that lived in what is now Cuba. Uh, which kind of makes sense. It's the biggest island. You know, if a hurricane hits and you're living on a Caribbean island, you would need, you know, something better than palm trees or sticks or whatever you can last. All right, so you made, it to, you made it to the high ground of a, of a volcanic island like Cuba. Exactly. You, you don't live on a coral atoll during a storm, and after a number of storms have hit your coral atolls, you migrate to the largest island in the area, which would have been Cuba is more or less what you're saying, Correct. Yeah, you follow the birds. The birds will migrate safely, and you just follow. Wow, that's interesting. I've been studying birds for years. I really love watching them. They're some of the most magnificent creatures. I used to love dogs, and I still do. But when I watch a, a bird flare her or his feathers in diving for a piece of bread, I'm astounded how it matches the uh, aerobatics of a fighter pilot in so many ways. And I wonder if there are any fighter pilots listening to the show who could tell me whether they have used the flight of birds in studying how to fly a fighter jet. This is the Savage Nation, back in a moment. Savage.
And we're back on the Savage Nation. This is producer Jim. 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-400-7282. It's the Savage Nation. Producer Robert with you. Last Friday in preparing for the show, Dr. Savage tweeted out two things. One, Amazon forest being burned to the ground, killing wildlife and driving poor indigenous people out. World's liberal elite parties on Geffen's yacht. And the other tweet was, the Amazon, one of Earth's lungs, being burned to the ground by greed. Well, someone who shares those views is a man named Paul Rosalie. He's a naturalist, explorer, and author, and an award-winning wildlife filmmaker. For the past decade, he has specialized in threatened ecosystems and species in countries like Indonesia, Brazil, India, and Peru. And he joins us now on The Savage Nation. Many people may believe that this is only affecting South America, but what role does the Amazon play globally? I mean, it's difficult to overstate the importance of the Amazon globally. I mean, this is a system that produces a fifth of our fresh water and a fifth of the oxygen on our planet. There's biodiversity, medicines, resources. I mean, this is just such a crucial system. And to lose the Amazon would mean a complete change in life as we know it globally. Now, why do you believe that this is now finally gaining some traction and gaining this level of attention? Well, the thing is, I've been down there for 13 years. I mean, we fi- we film the burning every year, and this has been going on for decades. The thing is, this year, the fires got so bad that the, the smoke blew over Sao Paulo, and in the Internet age, everyone started up- uploading videos and photos of the eclipse that happened from the fires. And that really freaked everyone out. And then social media took it and the news picked it up. And now it's just snowballed into global attention that we really can't afford to lose. Because as we keep losing parts of the Amazon, and we've lost almost 20% of the Amazon already, maybe more, the thing is, it's, it's a self-sustaining cycle. It produces the clouds and the rains that keep the rainforest moving and working and healthy. If we deplete that too much, we could reach a tipping point where it dries out and then we actually do lose the Amazon. Now, losing the Amazon, how has deforestation impacted the wildlife in the Amazon? I mean, in every square acre of the Amazon, you're talking about millions and millions of individual creatures, flora and fauna. I mean, there's, there's more plant and animal wildlife in the Amazon than anywhere else on Earth at any other time in the fossil record. This is literally the most diverse that life has ever been. So as we're seeing flash-and-burn agriculture... We're seeing clearing from mining and corporations. And as, as we keep chipping away at that system, um, we're losing species. And already globally, we've lost 50% of the wildlife on this planet since 1970. There, and, and, and we are undeniably in an, in an environmental crisis. And so as we lose these species, some of them we haven't even surveyed yet. Some of these things, medicines and, and, and animal species that we don't even know exist, we're losing. This is a really important issue that, that people, you know, it's not, it's not just a Brazilian issue. This has to transcend political boundaries. We need to start looking for a way to, like, incentivize rainforest countries all over the world. I mean, Indonesia is also burning. The Congo is burning. And there's just rampant deforestation happening. And it's, it's short-term game versus long-term loss and in, a, in a very, very stark way. And once you lose it, you know, the, the victories and that we say in conservation, the victories are temporary and the losses are final. You're never going to replace uh, old-growth rainforest in terms of the amount of carbon that it keeps, in terms of the biodiversity, resources, medicines. You can't replace that. It's not going to come back in our lifetime. Why is this happening, and why is it happening now? And when you talk about old-growth versus new-growth, can you go into a little bit more detail about what the difference is and why it's important to keep that old-growth thriving? Sure. 
so, I mean, especially with the Indonesian rainforest, you have these peat bogs where it's, you know, you have tens of thousands of years of carbon um, kept in those environments. And in the Amazon, you have these ancient thousand-year-old trees with vines and, and bromeliads and all this complex, this complex matrix of life. And, and that, you know, each thing contributes to that. You know, we think of a forest and then we think of animals. And when you're on the ground, if you're, when you're in, in the biological field, you see that actually animals and wildlife, you know, bats and birds and insects are pollinating flowers and spreading seeds and moving things around. They're, they're engineering the ecosystems that produce all of the things that we depend on. So, so these are, these are, it's all interconnected. And of course, you know, like if we lose the Amazon, then the North American weather systems are going to be messed up, as are the global systems. As for why this is happening, it's because, you know, as we, as our technology rapidly outpaces our intelligence, we're, we, we have to update our software on the fact that we realize that everything we have comes from nature. The, 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 the base, the starting point of every economy is the natural resources. And so, like, we're just allowing you know, slash and burn agriculture from rural farmers is not is not something that's bettering everybody. Those people could be employed in other jobs, and we could complain. This is a very simple thing to fix. It's just complex because of politics and opinion. But not cutting down trees isn't rocket science. Secondary growth. If we just allow some you know some small tree stands to grow up, they are they are not sucking the amount of carbon out of the air that an old growth forest has the capability to do. It's just not even comparable. So we're really losing a priceless treasure and deforestation is accounting right now for 10% of our global emissions. Even with all the cars and factories and everything else, agriculture, deforestation is a massive part of that and we can completely stop it. It's in our power to do it. It's just that we got to stop with all the bickering and all the misinformation. And, you know, going a little bit further into that, the basic ecology tells us that plants absorb carbon dioxide and exhale, basically, for lack of a better word, oxygen. And we absorb oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide. So you have that, that whole symbiosis between us and plants. How does this continued deforestation like this going to affect the human race? Well, I mean, for uh, the first thing I could, I could tell you is that you know, so so the Amazon you know filters all this water, all those millions of tree roots, and all the, the fungal mycelium that's running through all the detritus on the forest floor. That's all a giant purification system. So as we are putting chemicals into the air, the, the jungles are filtering that and producing fresh water. Now, at, at this point in history, we're we're at a point where a water crisis is hitting all over the world, and as we deteriorate the natural systems, we're going to see more and more of that, and. Now we're seeing all this ridiculous misinformation. I mean, Forbes just put out this stupid article about how everything is, I think the title of it was, everything you're hearing about the Amazon is wrong. And it was saying that the Amazon isn't the lungs of the planet. You know, the trees breathe back all the oxygen that they put out into the, into the, into the atmosphere. And that, that total, it's not, it's, that's bad science. We're just depleting these systems, and it's, it's shocking. We've got naturalist, explorer, author, and award-winning wildlife filmmaker Paul Rosley with us. Now, you've not only just been to the Amazon, you've been in other places like Brazil, India, Peru, Indonesia. Are you seeing very similar situations there? The thing is, in the Amazon, there's, there's actually about 20 million people that live in the Amazon. There's tons of indigenous communities and other people that live there. Um, but in the Amazon, nature is still by far the, the dominating force. 
And so in the Amazon, I'm seeing that being cut back year by year by year. My work in India has been so incredibly shocking, though, because it's the opposite situation there. Indian society has taken over to the point where there's only little pockets of forest left. There's, there's human society and roads and bridges and parking lots and towns everywhere. And in India, their, their natural systems are failing them. They're not getting the rainfall they need, or when they get the rainfall, it comes, you know, instead of, glo- you know, climate change or global warming, we're getting global weirdness, like, you know, boom and bust, because they, they just had monstrous floods, and then they have times of tremendous drought, and you have corporations coming in and clearing forests for mining projects, and then you see it. You see downriver, it's like a little microcosm of the same global effect, where you see an ecosystem destroyed, and then the people downriver all die and become, or become refugees. And now you've also spent a lot of time doing extensive traveling with poachers, documenting the illegal trade and endangered animals and everything. What did you learn from your time doing that? I saw some terrible things. I was, you know, I, I was, I was with a, a wounded jaguar after it was shot by by some poachers. Um, but you know, the the what I really learned was was the the, the fact that money talks. These people, a lot of times, are not evil people. A lot of times they're just local guys who say, you know what, I could farm and break my back or I could go out and shoot, you know, a jaguar or something and sell skin and get $10,000. And it's, it's a much faster buck. And what that really taught me was that provide these people other, other, other opportunities. But if their family is on the line, they're going to do whatever they can to survive like we all are. And, that's, and that is the simple trick of all of this. But the poaching problem, that's in the Amazon. The poaching problem in India is a whole other thing where, you know, you have tigers that in the year 1900, we had 100,000 tigers on Earth. Today, there's just about 3,000 left. So, we, I mean, think about that. If that was your bank account going from 100,000 to 3,000. And, and just like it would be hard to recover financially from that, tigers as a species, they're in real danger of, of going extinct. And we've already lost a few of the subspecies. And a lot of that has to do with the Chinese demand for tiger parts. They believe that tiger bones are valuable. They believe that the skin is magical and can, can, can cure all these things. And it, it's completely false. And that's what a lot of, when I'm not in the Amazon, my work is with tigers and elephants in Asia because uh, their situation is so devastating. And, you know, once a forest fills with a population of tigers, they have to migrate to another forest. Well, Right now in India, that means migrating through croplands and human civilization. So it's, this story is just absolutely, it's a, it's a war out there between humans and nature, and it doesn't have to be. Now, the United States obviously has the economic abilities, and we also have leadership in positions to be able to correct a lot of these problems that you're talking about. I think uh, there's a lot of things that go on here at, at home that we try to uh, manage conservation style some of these uh animal populations and also forestry and clean air we have it we're not perfect but we're we're i believe i think trying um do you think we have policies in place now are we we regressing in some of those policies and what can we do to basically lend a hand to the rest of the world to put these in, in these policies in place so that they they don't have to wind up so like for example, a country like India doesn't have to wind up in the situation that you've described. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the U.S. did a, did a tremendous job of, of cleaning things up and making things better. And as everyone's been messaging me, telling me that they feel so hopeless and depressed about the Amazon, I've been telling them, like, first of all, you know, there's 80% of the Amazon left. The other thing is that in the 70s, I mean, we had the, that river in Ohio catching fire. Bald eagles were almost extinct 
because of DDT. And then we really went in and cleaned up a lot of that. I mean, in the U.S., I mean, we have, we have humpback whales returning to New York City. We have, we've, we've brought it back. Nature will bounce back. And I think the U.S. is very good at that. But to answer the second part of your question, both here and abroad, you know, one of the things that we have to start doing is stop electing leaders without investigating their environmental policies. You know, for most voters, I don't think that, that you know, climate change or all this stuff is, is at the forefront of their thinking. They're, you know, they're, they're thinking about jobs and, and, and sort of more tangible things. But, I mean, for these other countries, we have, the, like you said, we have the full influence and ability to provide incentives and consequences also for, for taking care of or not taking care of their environment. And, and that's, it all just comes down to really voters and also, also consumers putting pressure on corporations. And Indonesia, um, which has so much of the world's forests, they are shaving the landscape for palm oil. And there's just thousands and thousands of acres of palm oil. And people have been putting pressure on, on, on corporations to stop putting it in shampoos and cookies and, and chips and all this stuff. It's needlessly killing orangutan habitat, elephant habitat, tiger habitat. It's vastly contributing to climate change. But the, the important thing here is that that pressure has worked. Once again, money talks. You've got a book coming out next month entitled The Girl and the Tiger. Why don't you give us a little bit of a preview about that? I will. The, uh, so as I was saying, the, the work I do in India, tracking these tigers as they walk through human civilization and sort of fight to survive, The Girl and the Tiger is, is sort of uh, a fictionalized version of all that uh, because, you know, how 200 years ago Kipling wrote, or 125 years ago Kipling wrote, the jungle book and it's all about this vast jungle and the animals and all this stuff well this is sort of an answer to that and it's like a modern day jungle book this comes from 10 years of tracking tigers and elephants in india and watching their migration routes and the incredible story of how they survive for me it actually all started when i got an email from uh this young girl who said that she had tiger cubs in her grandparents village and the mother had gone missing and she told me because she knew that i was you know sort of a jungle guy that she was going to go rescue these tiger cubs. And she asked me, she said, I need to know what they're going to eat. And I need to know like, you know, what, where I should take them. And it, it just became this story. So a lot of the stuff in the girl and the tiger is very real issues about India and its wildlife and the indigenous people there. And it's really just a modern take on the jungle book with uh, a really special female lead instead of a male. And I think uh, so far, if, if the reviews are any indication this book is, is catching on. People people are really responding to it. So it's a story that I feel hasn't been told before, and I'm bringing that out. Well, it sounds very interesting. Paul Rosalie, naturalist, explorer, author, and award-winning wildlife filmmaker. Thanks for taking the time to join us today on The Savage Nation. Savage. Welcome back to the Savage Nation. As we come into the closing minutes of this uh, program, uh, what I'm about to read to you uh, should be of immense interest to everyone in the radio business and make you really feel good. No matter who you are in the radio business, given the uh, climate of radio today, here's a story that will bring, uh, bring a smile to your lips. John Travolta's latest movie, The Fanatic, makes a mere $3,153. Now, that should make everyone in radio feel better. New movie, Fanatic, premiered last weekend to extremely low box office earnings. The stalker thriller directed by Limp Biscuit. What would you expect from a movie directed by a guy named Limp? Oh, Limp Biscuit frontman Fred Durst 
pulled in only $3,153.52 theaters across the country, according to the Hollywood Reporter. Some theaters reportedly sold $10 worth of tickets or less. This is the worst opening of Travolta's career and marks the actor's fourth bomb. His top-grossing movie was in 2007, entitled Hairspray, which made $203 million. So in his latest venture, the 65-year-old stars as Moose, as an obsessive fan who begins to stalk a movie star. Well, all I can say to you is it bombed. Now, I'm not taking pleasure in another man's failure, but I will say that my mentor, Lin Yutang, wrote his great book, The Importance of Living, where he said... Happiness consists not in the flight of fancy of poets or in philosophy, but in getting your hair cut every two weeks and watching your neighbor fall off the roof. And so we have just watched John Travolta fall off the roof to make the rest of us feel better. Thanks for listening. My website is michaelsavage.com. The podcast is next. Be here or be nowhere. The Westwood One Podcast Network.